I thought I was going to preach this sermon last time, and I didn't, and then maybe the time before, and I didn't, and, and I feel like God has been dealing with me to preach it this morning. I think ever since I became a youth pastor here, I get a vision. I, I have a vision. If you're on staff, I want to speak to you this morning like, like you're on staff here at church. I have a vision, and that might be with the, the students, the teen students, that might be with with music ministry, that might be with children's church, but I get a vision, I, I see things, and it may be six months out, I ask the teens a lot, like the beginning of a new year, the beginning of a school year, what do you guys want to see this year, what do you want to see six months from now, what do you want to see a year from now, two years from now, and so we have a, a vision, and I want to I want to see things happen inside this church, and uh, if you two are serious about about church, about this church, about the church you attend, you too should have a vision for what you want to see inside the church, and not just for yourself, but but for church. Now, I want to tell you a quick story, and uh, if you want to title this sermon, you can call it The Question. The Question. Uh, one of my old bosses, I won't, I won't speak no names because some people in here know him, but um, we used to, he would work with me sometimes, and uh, he knew I went, it was right after I became youth pastor, he would work with me sometimes, and we would, we would be doing the job, and he would say, um, he'd say, did you go to church Sunday? Said, yeah, I went to church. I mean, he, he knew I went to church, and it would be like the week after Easter, the week after Christmas, week after some holiday, where some of those people who only go to church that time of year, he'd say, well, I went to church Sunday. Went to church Sunday. I'm like, yeah, I did too. I'm like, did you enjoy it? Yeah, it was pretty good. I had, had a pretty good time. Maybe you should go back this Sunday. And he said something that I just, that has stuck with me ever since. This was about seven years ago, six years ago. He said, I don't understand why people go to church all the time. He said, you go to church to be saved. And once you're saved, he said, there's no really reason going to church anymore. And I kind of stopped what I was doing, and I said, we go to church because we need a Savior, and his name is Jesus. Yes, we do need saving. And we go to church to honor and glorify that Savior and to worship him. And he just said, I don't understand. And he got talking about my, my students. He said, well, how many students do you have? And that time I had about 12, 15 students. He said, he asked me a question that stuck with me. He said, why do they come? He said, why, why, why do they come week after week? What do you do? He said, most of your students are saved. I said, yeah, most of them. He said, then why do they come? Why do they come on Wednesday nights? And I thought about that question over and over and over. Throughout the years, I've thought about that question. And I ask myself sometimes sitting and listening to other preachers, why am I here? So my question to you this morning is, why are you here? Why do you come to church? Why are you here? Ephesians 3.20, we're not going to be there. I'm just going to quote this verse. It says, now unto him who is able to do exceeding and abundantly far more than we can ever think or imagine. Who has the power, his power, that is at work in us. And there's some great things going on inside this church. There's things you guys, some of you guys don't even know about. There's, there's men's Bible study who, uh, who meet once or twice every other week or so and, and, and meet young college, middle-aged, not middle-aged, just 20s, young 30s meeting and having Bible study. There's women's Bible studies going on. There's, there's group texts of men who, who are reading throughout the Bible throughout the year and encourage each other and send prayer and, and prayer requests and, and call upon each other throughout the year. There's things that, that nobody knows about. And I feel, like, I feel like God is wanting to do something great inside this church if we allow him. We're going to look at a scripture this morning. If you turn your Bibles, Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. 
It's a pretty long chapter. We're going to pick up towards the end. Verse 46 is where we're going to start. Mark chapter 10, verse 46. Verse 46 says, And they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples, and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, sat by the highway side begging. Verse 47, And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Verse 47 says he heard. There wasn't anything wrong with his hearing. He couldn't see but he could hear. He heard about this man who did miracles. He heard about Jesus passing along his way. He heard about a man who could cause the lame to walk, who could cause the deaf to hear, who could raise death to life and cause the blind to see. He heard this man coming. He wasn't just going to sit there, and I think sometimes I'm as guilty as too when the presence of Jesus is near, we just sit there. We don't do anything. We don't act. And this man, Bartimaeus, he wasn't going to just sit there and be inactive as Jesus passed by. Verse 48. I'm assuming this is his buddies here. He probably hung out with the same group of people every time. Verse 48 says, And many charged him that he should hold his peace. But he cried the more of a great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. Kind of what unpassionate people do towards passionate people. If passionate people want to get excited about something, the dispassionate people doesn't like it. So these people, they, they thought he was embarrassing. They said, dude, you got to be quiet. You got to, basically said, you got to shut up. You can't be hollering out at Jesus as he's passing by. And that stirred something up inside of him. He wanted to cry out. So I think he probably started with, son of David, have, have mercy on me. As Jesus passing by, remember, he's blind. I'm assuming he probably heard. I, I tell you what I do. Y'all probably gonna think I'm crazy, but when I, when I, when I practice my sermons and I preach my sermons and I study, I try to put myself in in those people's shoes. I try to I try to place myself. What would it have been like? So I tell y'all what I did. I kind of I kind of sit up, kind of sit up against the wall here. I'll just show you. And I'd close my eyes, and I would just try to picture Jesus coming by. And I think at first, Bartimaeus, I would do that. I would pretend like I was blind. And Jesus would say, or Bartimaeus would say, I think the first time, I think he said, Son of David, have mercy on me. And his friends said, dude, sit over there by the roadside and be quiet. And something stirred in. I think he said, Son of David, have mercy on me. He got excited. Something built up inside of him. But Bartimaeus, he wasn't going to just sit there. Now, let me ask you another question. Who's Bartimaeus? Who's this guy interested in? Was he interested in Jesus? I guess you could say that because he knew what Jesus could do. But really, Bartimaeus was interested in himself because he was blind and he wanted Jesus to do something for him. And over and over, and there's nothing wrong with this, but we come to church to see what God can do for us. And there's nothing wrong with that, but we got to take it a step farther. Verse 49, it says, And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. 
And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort. Rise, he's calling you. The creator, the creator of creation, creation's king, the son of God, took time on his journey to stop and talk to little poor old pitiful Bartimaeus, a blind man who was, I'm assuming he probably wasn't dressed very nice. He was probably ragged looking, probably had on the same clothes he'd had on for three or four days in a row, kind of like some of my youth students do. Uh, I won't call no names, though. Uh, catch what happens here, verse 50. And he, talking about Bartimaeus, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. Rose and came to Jesus. See, he let his feet and his mouth and his ears affect what wasn't working. And that's what God wants us to do. It's by faith that, that pleases God, that is acceptable God. It's not perfection. God don't ask us to come in here and be per perfect. It's not perfection. It's participation that gets God's attention. Verse 50, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. But look at what Jesus said. This is going to be the core of our sermon here. Verse 51, and Jesus answered and said unto him, What will thou should I do? unto thee what would thou that I should do and basically he says what do you what do you want Bartimaeus blind guy comes up to him and he says son of David he says I want to I, I want to see because Jesus probably already knew he was blind and Jesus said what do you what do you want me to do for you and it's kind of reminiscence of a, of the same scripture we see in John chapter 1 John the Baptist is on scene and he's telling people behold the Lamb of God is is coming one worthy whose shoes I can't untie. He says, this guy's way higher than me. So John the Baptist has his disciples who are following him. And they're following John the Baptist because at that time, John the Baptist was the man. Jesus hadn't really came on scene yet. And then them two, they, they kind of turn their membership away and they start following Jesus. But that was cool with John the Baptist because he didn't care because it wasn't about him. It was about Jesus. And maybe that's where we miss the boat sometimes in life. It's not about us. It's about us telling somebody who's greater than us, whose name is Jesus. And Jesus said, what, what, do you want me to, what do you want me to do for you? In John, John chapter 1, verse 38, Jesus asked the same question. You don't have to turn there, but John chapter 1 quotes Jesus, and Jesus turns around to the two disciples. He just kind of senses they're following him. They've left John the Baptist, and now they're following Jesus. Jesus turns around and asks them a question. You know what it is? You would think it would be, can you explain the theological concept of sanctification? I think that's what he asked him. No, he didn't ask him that. He said, can you explain the Trinity? I need to know all three parts and how they all work. No, he didn't ask him that. He turned around and said, what do you want? What do you want? Simple question. He just turned around and said, what do you want? A few years ago, I, I dealt with this same question over, over and over. I would think about when... My old boss asked me that question. Why do, you, why do you go? Why do they come? Why do they continue to come week after week? If they're already saved, if they already have a relationship with Jesus, why continue to keep coming to church? And when he said that, I, I kind of paused and I said, well, I can't really answer for why they come. I can't, I can't. I think I know why, Larry and Vivian up here, I think I know why they come every week, but I can't, I can't answer why they come. So I've asked a couple of you over the past few months, why do you come? I've got different answers. Some, some come for fellowship, some come for 
their friends. Some come because mom and daddy make them. Some come for the music. Some come for the preaching. Appreciate that. Just kidding, y'all. Y'all wasn't talking about me. Some come for, because we have good children's church programs, we have good nursery program. we come for different things because what we're coming for is because of what God can do for us, what Jesus can do for us. Now hang with me, we're going, we're going a little step farther here, and that's a good point. Jesus stopped in his tracks to talk to this man and said, what do you want from me? Look a few verses, if you're still in Mark chapter 10, look a few verses back, 35. We're going to see the same question again. This is James and John. Verse 35 says, And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, coming to him, saying, Master, we would that thou shouldest do for us whatsoever we shall desire. Now that's a bold question. They go up to Jesus and say, We want you to do whatever we want, whatever we want, whatever we ask, we want you to do. Now, I mean, I ask God for some things. I pray to Jesus, but I don't, I don't think I've ever prayed and said, now, God, listen, this is, this is what I want you to do, and you need to do it. And, I mean, so these, these guys had some boldness going up and saying that. Verse 36, what's Jesus say? He says, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want? You know, Haley gets to crying sometimes, and she's not yet fully communicating sentences. And Lauren and I find ourselves a lot asking, Haley, what do you want? What do you want? And she'll keep crying and say something. What do you want? I just wonder how Jesus, I doubt he turned around and said, what do you want? What do you want? Sometimes I get frustrated and I say, what do you want? Or if I just lay down, never fails. If I go in the couch and I've been on my feet all day and I lay down and I hear Lauren say, Mark, I think, what do you want? What? I mean, I just lay down. Like, can't I just watch the baseball game or football game? What do you want? Jesus says, what do you want? Jesus probably asks you the same question. Like if you go to Jesus, he'll say, what, what do you want? What do you want me to do for you? And this is right before Jesus is telling them, or right after Jesus is telling them, he's going to go to the cross. He's going to take a beating. He tells them, it don't end with a crown. It ends with a cross. It ends with me being, being beat down, spit upon, mocked, ridiculed, all these things right after Jesus tells them all this, and they just kind of throw that to the side, and they say, we'll see what they say, verse 37, they said, can you grant unto us that we may sit, one on thy right hand, and one on the other, on thy left hand, in the glory? They asked Jesus this. He basically says, I'm about to die. I'm about to take a brutal death. And Jesus says, what do you want? And they say, we want some... We want some VIP seating up in heaven. That's what we want. Then how does Jesus respond? He don't really get mad. Look, look what he says. He says, you don't know what you're asking. Verse 38. You know not what you ask. Can you drink of the cup that I drink of? Jesus asking them a question. He already knows. He's, basically, that's Jesus saying, you can't handle what I'm about to go through. You can't do what I'm about to take on. He says, can you drink of this cup for me? So basically, they asked the wrong question. And so I ask you this morning, have we gotten the question wrong? Have we gotten the question wrong? Basically, the question all morning that we've been saying is, what can God do for you? That's a good question, what can God do for you? But can I change one word in that question? 
Can I change it to what can God do through you? Not necessarily just for you, but what can God do through you? Blind Bartimaeus had the answer to the very first question. Jesus said, what do you want from me? What can God do for you? He said, I want my sight back. But that's when it started for Bartimaeus. Then he had a vision. Then he could see clearly what Jesus wanted to do. The two guys I talked about in John chapter 1 who left John the Baptist and started following Jesus. Jesus asked them, what do you want from me? You know what they wanted? If anybody knows, they wanted to go see where Jesus lived. That's all they wanted. They said, we want to know where you're staying at. You know what Jesus told them? He said, come and see. Just come and see. That's all you got to do. So I say when you and and you invite people to church, and if you say, I go to Cookville Free Will, this is when we got to be in our tip-top, sold-out shape for Jesus every single Sunday. Because I would like to say, why do you, if people say, why do you go to Cookville Free Will? I want to say, just come and see. Just come and see. Come and see what God's doing at Cookville Free Will. Come and see how God is moving through individual lives through our church. And that's the problem. One of the problems we have is people in our lives that we are daily contact with, they are so blind already blind to opportunities blind to potential blind to new beginnings of what God wants to do through them and it's not what this church can do for you if you come here don't don't come and say don't come and say I want to I want to visit this church because I want to see what this church has for me I want to see what their music can do for me I want to see what their children's ministry can do for my children no, come and see what God can do through you, not for you. Or do you want to be years down the road from now and talking to your children and talking to your grandchildren and say, man, back then God could have done this or God would have done this, but we failed to let him. Or do you want to see what God can do now? And don't get me wrong, it's a good, it's a good starting point to say what can God do for you because there are people in here I promise you who come here who are broken who need God to do something for them there's people who have financial situations who have marriage problems who have health problems job related problems school related relationship whatever the cost may be and you do need you do need Jesus to do something for you but let's not stop there let's see what God can do through you what God can do for you is a good place to start but it's a terrible place to start because I can promise you God is wanting to stir something up inside of you guys and do something for you guys I quoted the verse in the beginning Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 it says for unto him that is able to do abundant and exceedingly far more than we can ever think or imagine I just think of your your wildest imagination. I've done this with the teens. I did it, I don't know, it's been a couple years probably, but I had them write down the craziest story they could ever think of. Made up story. Just make it up. It don't have to be, because we like, we like making up stories sometimes. And then I got to, I sat up front and got to read them all off. And it was pretty, don't ask these kids to ever write your story because it's, it's pretty wild. But then I said, no matter what we think of, no matter what we, no matter what goes through our head, God's power that is in work within us far exceeds that. Like our ways are not his ways. His ways are much higher than our ways. What God, what can God do, not for you, what can God do 
through you, period. What God can do through you, exclamation mark. We want, to try to, we want to try to add something more to that sentence, and we want to say, what can God do through you if I do this? What can God do through you when you do this? It's what God can do through you now. I want to have the musicians to come back up. I want the whole praise team to come back up. And I want you guys, we hadn't even read the last verse yet. And I want you guys to think about this last verse because I want you to catch something. Blind Bartimaeus, he was blind. He couldn't see, sitting by the roadside begging. Somebody in here this morning feels like you're sitting by the roadside begging, waiting for Jesus to pass by, waiting for him to give you a new sight, a new vision. And maybe you're seeing the same old stuff over and over and over. And I, I struggled, I battled with that for, for years. You've got to ask God for a new vision. Verse 52, Mark chapter 10, verse 52, says Jesus gave him his sight, right? Nothing's recorded that Jesus asked, why should I do this or, or why should I grant you this? Jesus knows you before you know him. And that's the, that's the greatest part about Jesus. And it says, he followed Jesus. Immediately, he got his eyesight, and then he started following Jesus. So we think the miracle is when Bartimaeus got his sight. But it was after he could see. Then he started following Jesus to see what God could do through him. He got to see firsthand when his eyes were open what God could do for him he could have just went the other direction he could have just left and started going off somewhere else but he said this guy what he did for me I'm going to follow him so I can see what he did through me and I don't know everybody's situation in here this morning and we're going to sing oh praise the name again and I and I this ain't recorded in scripture but I can almost guarantee you Bartimaeus when he started following Jesus especially right after his eyes were open and he saw other miracles Jesus could do, he couldn't help but say, oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise his name forevermore. And so I don't know what you're going through. Maybe, maybe you don't have nothing to come here about, and that's fine. But please, don't, don't, don't let anything distract you from praising God right where you're standing. You guys stand with us as we sing this song. And I want you guys to just, if you want to, you can just, I'm going to pray. And if you want to keep your eyes closed and, and just praise him, don't worry about who's next to you. Don't worry about who's raising hands, who's not raising hands. Just be sold out to Jesus this morning and ask God what, God's already did a lot of things for you guys. Ask him what he can do through you inside this church. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for just, man, how good you are to us, how good you are to us as a church. Lord, there's a lot of good people in here who, who want to do what's right by your word. And Lord, help us just not to be focused on us, but how we can be a blessing to other people and what you can do through us, not just for us. Lord, we'll give you all the praise and glory. It's in Jesus' name, amen.